Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors, as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder-friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital, or you are looking to get your company acquired, or just need some sound financial planning, and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com, or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So I'm um, I'm actually thrilled with the guest that we have today because he has done the full cycle. He has been a serial founder, and I think that we're gonna be learning a lot from him. So I guess without further ado, Ajit Singh, welcome to the uh, Dealmaker Show today. Thank you, Alejandro. Thank you for having me on the show. So you're originally from India, is that right? Yes, yes. I grew up in India. I, I did my education from there and uh, even worked for the first seven years of my career uh, in India. And then I came to the States in 2006. In 2006. So so you, in India, you actually studied chemical engineering and then you went into finance for doing your MBA. So so why that uh, interesting switch from, from one kind of like segment to another? Yeah, yeah. So my life has been full of... Uh, uh, you know, a lot of, I would say, wonderful accidents and uh, uh, many of them were beyond my control. So I um, did my undergrad in chemical engineering. And uh, in fact, uh, originally, I really wanted to work at the intersection of chemical engineering and medical science um, and uh, wanted to come to the state, do a PhD here. I uh, worked uh, uh, hard to get into some of the best uh, colleges and uh, and uh, I got accepted, but my uh, dad uh, fell sick in my last semester of my undergrad. So I decided to stay back uh, in India so I could uh, stay close to him. And uh, uh, India doesn't have too many, at least at the time, did not have uh, very strong uh, research opportunities, applied research. I didn't want to go to academia. Um, so I ended up uh, doing an MBA uh, instead, uh, majoring in uh, finance and information systems. Um, so that's that's the reason I made that switch. Uh, after my MBA, I uh, did about a year of uh, management consulting. I found it to be uh, somewhat uh, abstract, uh, where I was mostly just producing PowerPoint and Word documents. Um, so I wanted to uh, get into things that are more uh, concrete. You can touch and feel them. Um, that's when I moved to the tech space in 2000. Um, I uh, switched to product management in, in technology space, and uh, that's how I grew up in, in the technology industry. First, uh, um, I've been a product guy, uh, I, uh, so to speak, in the tech space for the last 16, 17 years. And what does it mean to be a product guy? 
Ajit. <laughs> it, uh, it means a lot of things, but uh, what it means to me is that uh, what gives me goosebumps, uh, so to speak, uh, is building uh, products or working with teams that build products uh, that have never been built before and uh, products that uh, users really, really uh, love using. And when they see them, they're wowed. When they use them, uh, it makes a difference to them. So that is what uh, I call as a product guy, someone who's passionate about building uh, new products, fundamentally new products that make a difference. And and you started. I think that the um, the the first experiences, you know, that that you were getting, you know, on the on the product side. I mean, one one of them was at Honeywell, which which ultimately is what what really brought you here to the U.S. So so what was the um, main difference that you saw from, let's say the ecosystem there in India to coming here to the U.S. and, and you know, perhaps a culture shock? And, and how did you find things? Yeah, so uh, going to Honeywell was uh, a very interesting uh, inflection point in my career. I went there uh, to work on a very specific uh, project. There was a, a very forward-thinking um, uh, product leader who wanted to bring... Uh, a consumer-like experience to um, aerospace industry, specifically uh, to enable remote monitoring um, of uh, business jet engines um, so that uh, if there is um, uh, an aircraft operator uh, and they might have hundreds of planes that are flying around the world, they want to be able to monitor their health. Uh, and uh, this leader wanted to bring a GM's OnStar-like experience, which was built more for automotive, and apply it to uh, a very uh, industrial problem of uh, managing aircraft engines. And for that, we took a very design-first approach. I got an opportunity to work with IDEO. This was back in 2003, 2004. Um, and I saw how they approached the problem, how they applied design thinking to a very traditional industrial problem, and came up with a with an entirely different way of building uh, a software solution than one would have done if they had taken a traditional uh, you know, uh, approach to building software. So I felt that I was very fortunate to be exposed to design thinking very early in my career before Steve Jobs uh, showed the world what uh, design can do with the uh, iPad and I iPhone, how uh, these devices have fundamentally transformed uh, how we live. Um, and now everybody appreciates the value of design. Um, but uh, I, I got that exposure much earlier in my life, and uh, that has stayed with me uh, uh, forever. I would say I um, uh, I applied uh, some of those concepts uh, at my first startup, Nutanix, and uh, at the first part as well, which is uh, my second uh, startup. And uh, uh, I always like to say that uh, we we build a lot of technology, but what we deliver to our uh, customers is is really the user experience. So transition from India to US was, uh, I would say, fairly seamless uh, for me because uh, even when I was in, in India, I was working with companies that were um, headquartered uh, in US. I first worked at uh, I2 Technologies, which was a, a technology disruptor in the supply chain planning software space based in Dallas. Uh, then I worked with Honeywell. Um, so always I was interacting with um, uh, technical folks, uh, business leaders that were um, here in the state. So the transition per se was fairly uh, seamless for me. Uh, I would say the bigger transition was um, 
once I completed uh, my gig at Honeywell and decided to move to the Valley in 2007, I joined Oracle. And uh, and this is where uh, I would say I had really an eye-opening experience, which is uh, uh, everybody here was so excited about building new things. Um, even in uh, a company like Honeywell, which has been around for a very, very long time, even there, I, I sought out opportunities to build something new. And when I came to the Valley, I was really struck by how much uh, passion people had about uh, building new things uh, from scratch. And that led to the next 10 years of my career, which has been about startups. And, and in Oracle, and then also in, in Astro Data Systems, you know, which were the two companies before you went at it as, a, as an entrepreneur, you were doing products. So what did you learn or what were your major takeaways from, from doing product at Oracle? And, and also what were your takeaways from doing product at Astro Data Systems? So uh, Oracle, I was part of the uh, the database group, uh, which is one of the most respected uh, uh, groups within Oracle. Or has been Oracle has uh, always been uh, a database company uh, at heart, and it's a product that's very close to uh, Larry Ellison. Um, so I got to work with some really really smart people at Oracle. Um, the thing that I noticed though was given how much. Uh, history the product had and how deeply entrenched uh, it was in some of the largest enterprises in the world. As a product manager, your ability to influence the direction of the product was very limited. So I had a bunch of uh, interesting ideas, but uh, it took a lot of effort to convince uh, everyone around the table about those ideas. And then seeing those ideas implemented, I felt that it would be a very, very long process. Um, so I I was at Oracle for a short uh, nine months, actually, uh, because uh, I didn't want to um, take all the time that would be required to make an impact. And that's when I switched over. To, I came over to Astrodata. Uh, and uh, Astrodata was a very respected startup uh, in 2007, one of the early big data companies uh, uh, co-founded by um, some really good uh, computer scientists from uh, Stanford. Um, funded by some of the top VCs here. And that was uh, a really transformational experience. I got to see what startups are like. And uh, I also realized that in when you are operating in large companies, uh, you might have a lot of good ideas, but uh, you, you have to, there is, there is a lot of inertia in the system uh, to move fast. Um, so you are, uh, you are responsible for convincing so many other people about the merit of your ideas. Um, and uh, when you are in a, in a smaller environment, in a startup, things move rather quickly. And if you have an idea, it's very likely that that idea, uh, you will actually have the charter to actually go and implement that idea, which basically means that the bar for your own idea ideas goes up significantly uh, as you move from a large company to a startup. In a large company, there is uh, a very small probability that ideas, whether good or bad, will be light of the day. But in a startup, um, there is a lot more uh, responsibility on every individual. And uh, ideas uh, do get um, implemented and heard uh, very actively, uh, which creates an additional responsibility on you to make sure that you thought through the idea um, in a 360-degree way, you thought through the impact on customers, you thought through the ability to implement that, 
what trade-offs the organization might need to make with that idea versus other things that it could be doing. So that was a very interesting uh, self-observation uh, I had when I moved from large companies like uh, i2 and uh, Honeywell and Oracle to a startup like Astrodata. And, and, and I guess in, in Astrodata, I mean, one of the things that, that you really were able to do was to to kind of like get together again with your college, college dorm mate, right? Which was the Rush, the Rush Pandey. So after after working together a few years here, you guys came up with the idea of, of what has gone out to be a, a, a huge success, uh, Nutanix. So tell us, tell us how did the idea of, of Nutanix, and, and I did a interview, and for the listeners so that they know this as well, I did interview one of your co-founders of Nutanix a few episodes ago, Mohit Aron, and he did go deep into the story. I like to get your version, and then we do a quick summary, and then we're going to jump right into your, into your next uh, company, which is your, your most um, uh, recent one. So, so how did you and Dirash really uh, build, or I would say, incubate this idea, and, and how did the um, co-founding team really come together for Nutanix? So uh, the idea of Nutanix, um, uh, the, the specific solution we were going to build uh, came um, a little bit later. We felt that uh, um, we should go and uh, build a company. Um, so that was sort of the first uh, thing. Uh, that we decided. And then uh, we spent a bunch of time looking at uh, different opportunities, different markets, and uh, picked the market of storage because we felt that it was very, it was a huge space with a lot of big players. Um, companies like NetApp and EMC were, uh, were very dominant at the time. Uh, but we felt that uh, with, the, with the fundamental change in how IT had started operating with the virtualization, becoming a very standard uh, uh, part of the stack, there was a need for a new architecture. And the existing architecture at the time was 15 years old. And uh, I really believe that in any large market, if people have been doing things a certain way for more than a decade, uh, there is more than likely chance that you can create tremendous value by looking at the whole problem space just from the ground up. So um we 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 felt that uh, how people are managing their data centers has become very complex and costly uh, they have to go to multiple vendors say cisco and vmware and emc and netapp and try and cobble together all these technologies to build a data center uh, and operate it and uh, it required uh, storage administrators networking administrators uh, server admins uh, security folks uh, it was it was just too complex and uh, we felt that there is an opportunity to build a best of breed architecture from the ground up and uh, few of us uh, uh, we um, focused on this space and uh, and raised money and uh, you know, started building a product and a company, and it, it's it's been um, a great uh, uh, great experience uh, having been part of that uh, journey. And uh, Nutanix has really uh, fundamentally changed the IT landscape. Uh, there is now many many companies uh, operating on that sort of architecture, and um, um, it, it, it's it's uh, it's a matter of uh, really a privilege to uh, have worked with. Uh, 
with a really strong team. Dheeraj and I uh, go way back. Uh, we uh, went to college together and uh, have known each other uh, really well at family level uh, uh, for the last 20 years. So it, it's been uh, great to have partnered with him uh, in the Valley to build uh, something meaningful. But one thing that, that was true here when, when going at it with, with Nutanix was that the situation that you guys had from a financial perspective was, was different because uh, Mohit, you know, he was one of the early employees of Google and he, was, he got his shares, like I think it was like something crazy, like $2 a share, and he was able to make a killing with that. So, so the level of risk that he was able to, to digest was, for example, a little bit different to the to the level of risk that you were able to take because you had little savings and then also I believe you and your wife were expecting your second child at the time. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, my son was uh, born the same week uh, that uh, that we started uh, Nutanix. Um, so for me, uh, the idea of risk, yeah, definitely there was a bunch of financial risk, but uh, for me, uh, the key risk is. Uh, being always not doing something and uh, uh, growing uh, old and uh, then looking back at my career and feeling that I didn't uh, do what I really wanted to do. Uh, and that uh, that opportunity cost is how I like to measure risk. Um, so it was, I have a very supporting um, uh, wife and uh, thanks to her, I've been able to uh, be an entrepreneur and uh, uh, and uh, I also obviously have in the in the process developed deep empathy for people that work at startups um, because their families really have to enable them to be able to take these kinds of risks. And uh, the quality of people that we hired uh, at Nutanix and the quality of people we recruited uh, at Foxpot, you know, these are the best uh, engineers, the, the best uh, salespeople, the best uh, marketing people that you can find by any stretch of imagination, and they could be somewhere else, uh, making a lot of money, having a lot of fun. If I'm trying to recruit them uh, to work at our company, I feel a deep sense of obligation to their families, obviously them, but even more so for their families, uh, because uh, the employees and, and the team has a lot of fun working on hard problems in a good culture, good environment, building a company. Uh, it's a lot of hard work, but there is a lot of psychic rewards that come with it. Uh, but if you look at it from a family perspective, family's point of view, they really don't get to enjoy that uh, camaraderie, uh, that that uh, that sense of achievement uh, as a team, and so on. So I, I think that uh, it is our responsibility as entrepreneurs to make sure that we're recruiting people uh, with a deep sense of obligation towards them and their families. Absolutely. How, how big is uh, Nutanix today? Uh, Nutanix is, uh, in terms of uh, number of employees, it's touching almost 5,000 people now globally. Wow. And I believe the market cap is close to $8 billion. So, I mean, it's a, what a ride. So, I guess, I guess what I wanted to ask you here is now is, is, could you, like, because this was the first time really that you were at it, that you were going at it as an entrepreneur. And you were able to apply some of those incredible learnings that you had from Honeywell, from Oracle, and, and, and going back to what you were pointing to, which is the design thinking. So when you were like doing the applied, applying the design thinking, can you remember like one of those times where you were incredibly like impressed or shocked with the impact that you had caused from, let's say, the before to the after? Uh, in terms of how we applied design thinking? 
yeah, like let's say like one of those moments where you're looking back and you're like incredibly proud of 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 one time where you guys you know really applied this methodology. Yeah, yeah. So one of the very core tenets for design thinking uh, is to keep really the user in the middle of it, and uh, then designing uh, and deeply understanding life of a user. You know, at at a very very personal level, who these people are, what do they do. Uh, what is the typical demographic they come from? What other stuff do they have going on in their life? And uh, way back, if you looked at the life of a storage admin, uh, you know, they really didn't have a life because they were operating some very uh, mission-critical uh, systems. And uh, every time you have to patch them, upgrade them, uh, you have to, you know, you're trying to do it on a weekend, you're trying to do it off hours, and uh, your family life really, really suffers. Right, that's one thing. Uh, similarly, with the systems uh, becoming more virtualized, you had uh, people that wanted uh, to manage applications. Let's say someone is running HR application or ERP application, they became heavily dependent on the storage admins uh, to be able to get the resources they needed. So we spent uh, a bunch of time meeting people that were doing these work, uh, these kinds of uh, activities, and realized that their personal life has uh, really uh, become very difficult because uh, they are almost always fighting some fires. So we said uh, we should really simplify this whole thing and uh, that would make an impact on these people's lives. Um, and that's when we said, uh, rather than trying to build better storage, how about an architecture that doesn't really require a separate layer of storage? And uh, that's how we came up with the idea of hyper-convergence, uh, where uh, storage uh, actually becomes just an application running uh, on top of the hypervisor. Um, so that is one insight where building a deep empathy for the users uh, reflected directly into the solution and the architecture of the technology that we came up with. Got it. Really and cool. So, so let me ask you this, Ajit. You know, you're here in this company. It's um, it's a rocket ship, the uh, Nutanix, and then all of a sudden you decide to step down and go to um, Lightspeed Ventures to become their entrepreneur in residence. Why did you Why did you make that decision? Yeah. So this was uh, um, uh, like I was saying earlier. I've always uh, looked at my career. Uh, and um, made decisions so that I minimize regrets uh, as I as I grow in my career. I think Jeff Bezos calls this regret minimization framework. Um, and uh, Lightspeed was a Series A investor uh, in Nutanix, and uh, I have a tremendous respect for uh, Ravi Matre, uh, who was the lead investor at uh, at Nutanix and is also the lead investor at Hotspot. So once uh, we had uh, launched our product uh, at Nutanix in the market and the product had started doing well, uh, I was running marketing and product management at the time. I felt that I can actually expand my horizons and see if I can uh, uh, run a full company. Um, and uh, that's when I talked to my co-founders, I talked with board members and uh, and. Uh, uh, Ravi was kind enough to offer me an opportunity to be an EIR and, and incubate my uh, next uh, company, uh, Hotspot. So what were you doing there as an entrepreneur residency in Lightspeed Ventures? 
you know, entrepreneur in residence is a very interesting, you know, it's it's not really a formal role, uh, so to speak. So I was uh, uh, still uh, uh, working at Nutanix and then uh, uh, evaluating opportunities. And uh, in my case, uh, being the product person I am, I like to, my approach of um, building startups has been to go after large existing markets. And I have this sort of mental framework of risk management. Uh, on one hand, uh, I take a lot of risks. On on the other, I try to avoid certain kinds of risks uh, very, very aggressively. Um, so I look at uh, uh, all the risks in a startup in two buckets, uh, market risk and execution risk. Uh, by market risk, I mean, do I is there a market uh, for my product? You know, as, as an example, I might be thinking of uh, you know, uh, maybe a new kind of social network or um, maybe, you know, just as a ridiculous example, uh, phones that can fly. You know, is I would think about, is there a market for phones that can fly around in the house and, uh, um, uh, and come to me when I need it? But uh, that would be market risk. And then uh, being able to build a phone that can actually fly uh, and sell it would be execution risk. So um, I like to go after opportunities that are very low in market risk and uh, very high in execution risk. Um, I don't want to spend several years of my life and other people's lives uh, going after markets that uh, need to still evolve, that may not exist today. I'm betting on there being a market in the future. Uh, uh, That's not the risk that I want to take. But uh, when it comes to execution risk, uh, I want it to be as high as possible because uh, if you work on hard problems, one, it is fun. You get to work with very smart and, and driven people. Uh, second, if you can solve for execution risk in a large market, then you can build a lasting company. So the time that I spent as an EIR at Lightspeed was to really evaluate various markets that might be available. It wasn't uh, uh, a specific idea that I had, which I wanted to build the company on. I wanted to spend time picking the right market then within the market, pick, pick the right problem, and then comes the notion of an idea or the solution. And that's been true for both the companies, Nutanix and, and ThoughtSpot. We were very deliberate about uh, the fact that we wanted to do a company, then spend time. Almost, uh, I would say, end-to-end, it's roughly about a year um, that we spent in picking the right market uh, at both the companies and understanding the problems that plague these markets very, very deeply. So then, so then how, how does ThoughtSpot, you know, really come into place? I mean, here you were testing ideas, evaluating ideas, and then all of a sudden you land with ThoughtSpot. What, what happened and, and, and how did you incubate it? And, and it ended up saying, you know what, I'm going to go after this one. Yeah. So, um, um, in terms of market, data has been a very large market. And uh, the core inspiration, I would say, for uh, ThoughtSpot came from the time I had spent at Astrodata, which was one of the early big data companies, as uh, I was uh, saying earlier. Uh, it was uh, around the same time, Astrodata was built around the same time that uh, Hadoop was just uh, getting started, actually. Cloudera was just incorporated at the time. and. Uh, I saw that with big data technologies, the ability to store uh, uh, and manage lots of lots and lots of data was becoming cheaper, faster, better. 
but how that data was consumed by the end users, that wasn't changing. Even with uh, visualization technologies like uh, uh, Tableau or Click or Power BI, you needed an analyst to really understand the business question, uh, try to come up with the right dashboard, right chart, right visualization, show it to the business user, then business user would have some feedback on it. And then it's, it, it takes sometimes weeks. In some cases, I talked to a bunch of customers. It was taking them months to really get answers to their data questions. Uh, and that's when um, I teamed up uh, with uh, Amit Prakash, uh, my co-founder, and then we expanded the co-founding team from, with a few more people uh, from Google. We said, why can't it be uh, as simple as uh, using Google search? If somebody has a question in their personal life, they just go to Google and ask the question. Uh, where is a nice uh, Thai restaurant or where is the nearest Starbucks or... Um, how can I um, find uh, the best college for my kids, uh, given their interests, and so on. Um, people have a question, they go to Google, they look at the results based on that, they ask another question immediately, based on the results, they ask another question, and that's how you end up um, finding the right college for your kids that you want to focus on, or maybe the right restaurant that you want to uh, uh, go to uh, dinner with your family tonight. So, so Ajit, for, for example, for ThoughtSpot then, what ended up becoming the, the business model? So um, we wanted to solve this problem of data access um, uh, where business users need act, uh, to answer questions um, because they are on the front lines and uh, because of a lot of uh, digital transformation that is going on, uh, in the enterprise space, and I don't use the term digital transformation here uh, loosely, there is really a disruption happening when it comes to uh, financial services, retail, everywhere. Uh, next generation companies that are pure software companies are coming and disrupting uh, big markets. So we felt that the, the biggest need for this kind of technology where thousands and sometimes hundreds of thousands of users can get answers to their data questions immediately. Uh, that problem is the most uh, uh, apparent in large enterprises. So uh, if you look at some of the largest retailers, telecom companies, financial services companies, they have huge businesses, they have uh, a lot of customers, they have been with big data, they've been capturing a lot of data but they have really not been able to empower their businesses to make decisions uh, with that data, get insights uh, and knowledge from that data and uh, be able to compete in a world where uh, Fortune 500 companies are disappearing uh, so quickly. Um, so our business model became uh, quite focused on, I would say, global uh, 5,000 organizations um, and uh, uh, we, that was also reflected. It's not just that you can pick a business model with no implication for the product. Your product strategy and business strategy has to uh, dovetail really well. So even on the product side, we focused a lot on making the end user experience very, very simple. But we have invested a ton of engineering with some of the best engineers you can find uh, to build a, an extremely powerful uh, backend uh, that can handle lots of scale uh, billions and billions of data records uh, coming from many, many data sources, 
where somebody has a question, they can use the search uh, search bar uh, that Hotspot provides, ask it, and the system would go through lots of uh, data and be able to answer uh, that question that a merchant yet a retailer might have. They are trying to understand uh, what kind of shoes they should be promoting on their e-commerce website. Should it be more uh, size 10 or size uh, 8 or blue color or red color? They, think they have these simple questions. But when you have uh, uh, data that is very voluminous and it's very complex, uh, you also need a very powerful uh, backend. So we've invested a lot in the full stack and uh, we are able to deliver a solution to some of these largest enterprises that need the ease of use, but they also have extreme scale requirements. Really cool. And and why, why did you have so many co-founders? How many co-founders did you guys have? Yeah, so we started with the seven co-founders, and uh, uh, that was, again, a process. It took me uh, almost, uh, I'd say, seven, eight months to assemble the co-founding team. And uh, we needed that because if you open the hood, uh, you would see that we are building perhaps uh, five companies, uh, five products, each of which could be an independent company inside ThoughtSpot. And that was, uh, in some ways, uh, a necessary evil because uh, it has taken a lot of effort to uh, deliver on all of these uh, products. But all of that was done to deliver the user experience that we wanted to create for the end users. I look at data not as really a technology problem, but I look at this as uh, as uh, as a user experience problem. It is not even a visualization problem. You know, the last decade of the industry is focused on uh, com- with companies like Tableau and Click and, and Microsoft Power BI, you can build a lot of very uh, nice-looking dashboards. But uh, as soon as uh, the first new question comes, uh, these dashboards are very fragile. You know, they don't have the answer. So I look at this as a user experience problem. Now, to deliver that user experience, we had to imagine a new kind of search engine. Uh, that was built for numbers. You know, search has been done uh, at Google and, and Facebook and LinkedIn on unstructured data where you're finding existing information. But if you need to build search that can understand your sales trends, that can understand your customer retention trends and answer your questions instantly, but be precise uh, about the results, uh, unlike Google that can give you 20 uh, search results on the first uh, web page and uh, you have to pick the right answer. Here, we have to give one answer. If you want to know how many uh, employees you have at a certain location, uh, I have to give you one precise answer. So we had to build a new kind of search engine. We had to build an embedded BI and visualization engine that works hand-in-hand with the search engine and can present the right charts for the users. Uh, We also had to build our own uh, massively scalable, extremely fast in-memory database so that we can crunch uh, numbers at massive scale extremely, extremely quickly. Because if I'm looking for a search-based user experience, I don't have a lot of patience for uh, the results to come back. I expect them to come back in a couple of seconds uh, at max. Unlike uh, standard uh, visualization and, and dashboarding tools that can have the spinner that goes on for you know minutes uh, sometimes. So we had to deliver uh, extremely fast performance and we wanted to build something that will be very elastic very cloud-friendly, and uh, we have to invest in our cluster management capabilities that allows us to uh, scale on demand as user data grows, as more users are on the platform. Um, It has to be an elastic architecture. Uh, 
Um, so we um, we built the co-founding team that brought a very specific expertise uh, to the table. Um, and uh, that is reflected in our overall solution. We had uh, co-founders that had worked on search infrastructure at Google that had done some very uh, meaningful work at uh, at Google with machine learning. Uh, my co-founder and CTO, uh, Amit, uh, was working on machine learning and AI. Uh, we had uh, our co-founder, Abhishek uh, Rai, who used to be one of the three tech leads of Borg uh, at Google. Borg is their cluster manager. Uh, we had one co-founder, only one co-founder who had done BI uh, in enterprise before because we wanted to make sure that whatever we build actually will work for enterprises. Uh, so it was, uh, um, and I would say, unusually large co-founding team, but uh, uh, it was uh, built uh, for purpose. And uh, as we built the co-founding team, what was important for us was to make sure that we can operate well together because sometimes you can have uh, co-founding teams, uh, tremendous amount of friction. And uh, uh, for that, we spent a lot of time um, understanding each other, understanding each other's core values and, and the purpose uh, behind why we would want to build a company. Uh, you know, we were looking for people that would see, uh, uh, have a deep sense of purpose in what we are building that would be passionate about the impact uh, ThoughtPot can have on the world around us. And that would do the company for the right reasons, not because they want a certain title, not because they want to make more money. In fact, uh, all of these uh, folks, they were making uh, really, really good amounts of money uh, at uh, at Google um, and other companies they were at. Um, so it, 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 was, it took a lot of effort to uh, recruit them. One of them, I remember it was maybe 17 or 20 uh, meetings uh, that uh, that I had to do with them to um, uh, really convince them that ThoughtSpot would be the right thing for them. And, I, and I've heard you say, you know, as a follow-up to this, uh, Ajit, that recruiting engineers is, is harder than you think. Why is this the case? <laughs> recruiting engineers is uh, harder than you think. Uh, you know, obviously, there is obvious reasons. Uh, there is uh, the demand and supply gap that exists uh, in the world. Um, uh, between the demand for high-quality engineers. Uh, the second thing is that uh, some of the best engineers um, are actually in consumer companies. And uh, consumer companies that have seen the kind of scale that Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and Amazon have seen. Now, when you're doing an enterprise company, oftentimes one challenge is that uh, these engineers don't appreciate the the, the value of the problem you're trying to solve. If you are working on, say, a social network, then they can immediately have a point of view on that. But if you're trying to solve analytics problem for enterprises, not only do you have to convince about uh, them about the quality of work they were doing, but uh, uh, they will be doing, but also you have to spend a lot of time in educating them on the market, the problem that exists, the value of the problem, uh, problem you're trying to solve, et cetera, et cetera. And they're all very smart people. They're, they don't take uh, things at, uh, at face value. Um, so it takes an extra effort to recruit uh, some really high-quality engineers out of companies like Google and Facebook uh, into an enterprise company. Got it. And and why why is it important for you? I mean, as you're thinking about culture, team, and and then perhaps also yourself, why why was or why is for you the solo offsites essential uh, uh solo offsites yeah so basically once in a while i i 
take a day off and uh, do find my own time basically and sometimes i would even take into a hotel stay overnight spend the next day uh, just uh, thinking about uh, stuff uh, it is important because day to day you know you are busy doing meetings and uh, being pulled into a lot of things uh, whether planned or unplanned i do try and uh, uh, keep 50% of my uh, calendar uh, open in a given week uh, that's how uh, my ea manages my uh, schedule but um, sometimes i succeed sometimes i don't you know uh, if you're traveling you're spending a lot of time meeting customers or or for your team so it's very important to find that clear uh, mental space where you can take a step back uh, once in a while and look at the big picture understand what's working what's not working and um, and really uh, have a fresh perspective on things so i found that to be an extremely effective tool uh, where i would block off a day and uh, go somewhere and uh, and uh, and think about the big picture and uh, uh, think about uh, the current priorities and how things need to evolve uh, and so on i found that to be a really good exercise i love it i mean i've heard that there is a, you know people like bill gates and 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 other leaders they just say literally go off for like a week and they all they do is read and think you know what's the like you were saying what's the um big picture and talking about the big picture for something like this i mean this this is obviously capital intensive so so how much capital have you guys raised to date uh we've raised about 300 million dollars at fastpot uh the last round was about a year ago we raised 145 million dollars in our series d really yeah. cool Yeah it's uh, so like I was saying earlier um Foxport is perhaps the most ambitious take on data and we it's a huge market a huge problem and we want to solve it the right way you know i'm really uh, uh, inspired by how someone like uh, Elon Musk has approached some really really hard problems and taken a more platform up approach of building things uh, tesla you know first figured out how to take so many uh, batteries uh, and pack them uh so that uh, the car doesn't become too hard that was the first problem they were trying to solve uh so as opposed to taking an existing car and just adding batteries to it uh they took an approach of solving the core problem uh which is running batteries at scale uh then design and how you deliver software based features so that every day practically you could have new car um and design an amazing user experience you go close to the car the handles come out uh, it's 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 really a joy to use that product um and uh, similarly uh, we we've, we've tried to build uh, our uh, solution at hotspot in a platform up approach uh, with a platform up approach and uh, that has meant that uh, it is a lot of work um it requires um, the best people across the board uh, whether it is product or our business teams uh because uh, when you're trying to disrupt the market as big as uh, analytics where um the enterprises spend over 150 billion dollars uh, between software and services every year uh, on the analytics stack you know bi etl data warehousing these are a lot of investments over 10 years last 10 years one and a half one and a half trillion dollars have literally been spent and it still takes a week Uh, on an average 4.8 days uh, to get a new report done if that is what you're trying to change uh, it requires you to be ambitious and it requires you to build uh, a lot of product with some great people and it comes with its own requirements of capital um, 
Uh, we've raised a good amount of capital in terms of how we've used it. We've been fairly efficient, and uh, and uh, the investors we have, um, they also have a long-term view of the world, and they are looking to really disrupt the large market. Um, um, uh, so I feel like uh, we have a great team and a great set of investors that uh, are extremely supportive of our ambitions and vision that we have at Thoughtport, and that is really born fruit uh, earlier this year we were um uh we were named as a leader in gartner's uh, magic quadrant for bi and analytics from what i know that is the most downloaded gartner document across all their properties and uh, uh from inception it took us six years to land in the leader's quadrant that uh, uh has never happened in the industry before we are the fastest ever to the leader's uh, quadrant uh, and we are the only new entrant uh, in the last six years. So uh, it's been a lot of hard work, uh, but uh, I think we've made uh, uh, good progress. Now, that said, I do have this uh, mantra of uh, uh, being only 2% done, which means that uh, the, the market we are in and the problem we are trying to solve, there is practically uh, no finish line. You know, We will always be 2% done because data is only growing. And what people want to do with uh, data and the potential it offers is only growing. So we have uh, added a lot of capabilities um, to the industry, but uh, I feel like there is there is it's going to be uh, something that's that's a long journey. And even ten years from now, there'll be new data problems to solve. They would look very different from what we see today. Um, so we try to inculcate that mentality of uh, not resting on our laurels, uh, not saying we are done with the product and now let's just go uh, hire a great sales team and sell a lot of uh, product. We will do that, but at the same time, every couple of years, we'll also keep investing in newer and newer arts um, uh, for our uh, our customers, uh, delivering totally new value for them. That was uh, not possible before. Um, so at ThoughtSpot, we started with search uh, as a way of ans answering questions that people have. And that has now become sort of the industry standard. Uh, all the industries now trying to copy that. Uh, but about two years ago, we started a new product line that leverages the same platform called Spot IQ, which is our AI-based solution, which can help you really finding that uh, needle in the haystack because data is so big, it is so complex. People often don't even know what questions they should be asking so they can find the insights that they can take action on. And that is what Spot IQ does. Uh, it was not the product that customers came to us and said, uh, go build this for us. Uh, we had the intuition, we validated it with our customers, but that's something we built from scratch again for them. So I feel that we will continue to innovate on behalf of our customers every two, three years and uh, bring new uh, and very meaningful solutions to them. Really cool. And you guys are over a billion already in, in terms of valuation. So uh, obviously the uh, market is, is really valuing what you guys uh, have done and, and also in, in such a short period of time, which is fantastic. And, and Ajit, I wanted to ask you, they recently, you know, I believe it was in August, you, got, you, you actually rearrange, you know, a little bit the um, the corporate structure of the business and you stepped it up as um, as an executive chairman. So so could you walk us through that decision and, and how this experience was for you? Yeah, yeah. This was a, a decision that was a surprise to everybody. Uh, 
Um, so uh, Sudhish uh, joined us as uh, our CEO last year. And uh, Sudhish and I worked together at uh, Nutanix. He joined us as, uh, I think uh, we were 15 people when Sudhish joined uh, Nutanix. This was uh, before we had started selling. And he scaled sales there from zero to over a billion dollars uh, uh, over a short period of, uh, I'd say, about four years. And uh, I don't know of anyone else in the world that has done that. So uh, last year, after we raised uh, our $145 million round, I wanted to find someone uh, to help uh, scale the company, help scale the business. And I started looking for a president who could uh, run all aspects of business. Um, I met a few people and uh, I wasn't really inspired uh, by them. And uh, then um, I talked to Sudish and uh, I felt that uh, um, if I could bring him on board, then uh, it would be a growth opportunity for him because he was a president there. Uh, here, uh, he could be a CEO. Um, my passion has been uh, around product. Um, so uh, I'm the exec chairman. I'm still 120% committed to uh, ThoughtPort, and I'm getting to spend more time uh, uh, on product than I was able to do before. Um, and uh, uh, I feel that uh, uh, with the co-founding team, me, uh, Sudhish, and uh, also we've uh, really hired some very strong sales leaders uh, recently, uh, we are really a force to reckon with. And this is this this kind of uh, uh, change can sometimes uh, um, uh, be difficult to make, uh, but uh, because I knew Sudesh from before, I was very confident that we can work well together, and uh, it has played out really, really well uh, for us. So, in this case, Ajit, as a follow-up here, uh, what does it look like in an executive chairman that is effective and successful in his or or her role? What does that look like? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I end of the day don't really care about uh, titles and uh, uh, and stuff. Uh, end of the day, we are all everybody's got one job uh, at a startup that is to build a company. Um, and uh, in my role uh, as an exec chairman, uh, you know, there is depending on the person's background, they can focus on different aspects of the business. Um, I spend a lot of time uh, with our product teams, and I continue to spend time with uh, with customers and our uh, field teams as well. But uh, now, sixty to seventy percent of my time uh, is with our design team, with our product management team, with our engineering team, um, uh, um, helping them set clear goals, uh, working with the, our co-founding team. Uh, uh, on the vision, um, uh, defining goals uh, on an annual basis, uh, understanding people. Also, people is a big part of it. I think uh, as the company scales, uh, sometimes uh, uh, culture uh, can go sideways. I spend a lot of time uh, communicating our core values, culture, putting in place uh, systems and processes that help uh, scale culture. Also, really understanding people because as the organization grows, uh, sometimes uh, they uh, can feel lost about how their roles need to evolve. How do they grow uh, with the organization? So I'm able to spend more time uh, with people as well, understanding what their career aspirations are and uh, how can we create an environment where people feel really fulfilled. Uh, because uh, I want uh, ThoughtSpot to be a place where uh, not only are we successful as a business, but we are able to 
it's a, it's a platform where people can grow and uh, uh, many of them will eventually leave hotspot and do great things in life and i want them to do really really well uh, after they leave and i want to make sure that while they are with us we are adding the most value one of uh, most value to them one of my personal uh, okrs um, so to speak is that i want uh, 10 uh, unicorns to come out of hotspot i we run the company as a very open open book uh, people Uh, independent of their specific function and role they get to see a lot of uh, stuff that is happening in the company and that helps them build that integrative thinking that is really required to be a successful entrepreneur so my hope is that uh, people will be at top for they will do great things but they will also personally grow and eventually go on to do bigger and better things i love it i actually love that uh, that approach uh, ajit and and how big is uh, is thoughtspot today Uh, we are about the 430 people uh, now. We are uh, we uh, we started in the states uh, uh, um, about from the beginning. Obviously, we had sales teams here. We started our Europe business uh, about uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, we also started uh, Asia Pacific operations uh, this year. So we are growing, uh, and we are growing not only in numbers but also in geographies and product lines. Uh, it's very very interesting times uh, at Thoughtspot. um uh, you seeing all this growth in multiple dimensions it comes with its own complexity and challenges but it's also a lot of fun you have newer and newer problems to solve on a daily basis what a what a tremendous run with uh, nutanix and now with uh, thoughtspot uh, ajit so i want to ask you something that i always ask the guests that i have on the show and that is knowing what you know now i mean after this incredible learnings and experiences that you have done or that you have uh, uh, gotten as a two-time entrepreneur If you had to um if you had the chance really to to speak with your younger self and give yourself one piece only one piece of business advice what would that be and why Yeah it would be the, it's this what I would give to my younger self and it's what I tell my kids um uh it's to hang out with with great people you know that's really uh, it it's the people that you hang out with Uh, great people that are really good at what they do but they're also good people they have the right goals uh, in life uh, and if you hang out with great people they raise you up and i feel like you know from the outside it looks like i've had you know some amount of success but uh, end of the day uh, if you're part of the journey you also realize how much how little you have uh, to do with it yourself and how much it is about people around you so i just my advice to everyone Uh, my younger self or other young people that i interact with is to just uh, find uh, the best people they can find and and hang out with them and and be part of teams that are great uh, that's that's the only advice i would give in terms of uh, what i would do differently i would accelerate whatever i have done uh, even more i feel like i've been very fortunate and if i if i could do these things faster uh, that would be even better I love it. That's a great great advice, great pointer. So, Ajit, for the people that are listening, what is the best way to get in touch and and say hi? Uh they can find me on Twitter. My handle is Ajit uh, S. Uh they can find me on LinkedIn, connect or just drop me an email uh, ajit@passport.com. Amazing. Well, Ajit, thank you so much for being on the Deal Maker show today. Thank you so much, Alejandro, for having me. It's been a pleasure. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.